Matthew, Matthew um, 18 and verse 15 through 20. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 20. And it says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Can I get a witness in here? Amen. (laughs) If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Verse 18, truly I say to you, what, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's what I want to get to in verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree, everybody shout agree. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So as we continue on in this series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you on the subject, what is it good for? What is it good for as we deal with healthy communication and how we deal with conflict in our lives? Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for every single person that's in this room tonight. Father, I pray that you would be in the midst of this room right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that not one life in this room leaves the same way that they came in. But I pray that wisdom, revelation, and knowledge will take place in their minds and in their hearts. And Father, I get rid of any anxiety, any fear, any worry that would hinder me from preaching your word tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. And we say amen. Amen. So who in here loves, like, I tell who in here loves martial arts? Anybody? Okay, two of you. All right, this is going to be a fun night. <laughs> so as a kid, um, I, I always grew up watching martial arts. I always grew up, like, uh, watching Chuck Norris. Anybody? Yeah, some of the millennials are like, Chuck Norris? Who is that? I grew up watching Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, all these different things. And so I, I grew up at, at nine, and, 9 and 10. I loved watching Chuck Norris. Like, that was my jam. Texas Ranger, baby. I wanted to move to Texas. I was going to become a ranger. I was going to become a black cowboy, the first black cowboy in America. That was me. That was me. And so I was going to do that. And uh, I remember, like, begging my parents this one summer. I was like, Mom, Dad, please let me take martial arts. I, I just need to. Like, I need to be learning what they're learning on TV. I really just want to know how they do what they do. And so I begged my parents, and one summer they're like, okay, fine, we'll do it, we'll do it. And so I ended up going uh, to take Taekwondo. It's a form of martial arts. And uh, we found this, this, this gym, and, and we, they enrolled me into martial arts. And they're like, okay, well, here you go. Like, dive in. And so I just went for it. I went to martial arts classes like three times a week. I was studying. I was doing my thing. I was studying online. I was doing everything that I could to be better at martial arts. And so I remember, like, going in and sitting with the instructor, and the instructor said to me, he sat me down and he said, listen, so I know you want to go to competition and do those things and compete, but it literally takes about a year and a half to two years before you can o- even go and compete. And I was like, eh, no, I'm going to go compete. Because that's what I wanted to do. Like the first day I remember, I was like, I want to go compete. I want to knock some heads off. You know what I'm saying? I want to just do my thing. And so I remember sitting down. He's like, no, 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 it takes time. Like you have to develop some skill sets and, and all this. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'm going to work hard. So I worked, I worked my butt off for six months, like all the time. So I went in, did my thing. 
Afterwards, I was watching videos. I was like karate chopping everything in the house. I was like, before Fruit Ninja was a thing, I was chopping up strawberries, watermelons. I was like, Ow! like everything I could do. I was doing everything. And so I remember going back six months into it, and uh, my instructor, he sat me down. He was like, hey, listen, like you're advancing really quick. And so what I want to do is I, I, I want to see if you can go to this competition in about uh, two months. I was like, yes. I'm going to do it. So I went to this competition. He ended up um, enrolling me into this competition. Our whole, our whole team went. And so in this match, there's like literally 10 different matches going on at once. So you come into this gym, and there's like all kinds of things happening. I mean, there's adults. Like, there's kids. There's all these different ages. And so I, I, I did this competition. And I remember my opponent, because I remember you can, they let you know who you're going to compete against about a week before. And um, they, I was, like, studying. I was studying, like, the martial arts techniques that he learned and all these different things. And so I studied my opponent very well. So I went to the match. I was ready. Like, and, and for me, like, I'm a small guy, okay? I'm not, like, this big macho like Dave or, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not this buff guy. Like, I can move really quick. I'm a dancer. Like, I know how to move in and out and, and do that. So uh, but I remember, like, as a kid, even my, my cousin, he would always, like, there was something in me. He would always, like, like bear hug me, my cousin Q, and he's really big. He's like a football player, and he would always like he always like choke my neck. He's like, "Are you weak or are you tough?" And I'd be like, "I'm weak. Like, let me go, let me go." He's like, "Are you weak or are you tough?" And I'm like, "Finally, I'm tough. I'm tough. I'm tough." So I went into this match. I thought about that one moment, and I went into this match. I was ready. I was like, "This this guy has no chance against me." Did did my thing. Did my thing. Went into the match, and um, we had three rounds. And the the first round, second round went good. I was ahead, um, points wise. I was ahead. The third round hits, and I'm tired. Like, this is, like, the moment where it's, like, okay, like, you got to, there's three minutes of fighting. And how many of you guys know that three minutes and fighting can be, like, a lifetime? It's, like, when is that bell going to ring? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And so I went into this match, like, just ready. And I remember the third round, this, my opponent, he was, he was a little mad. He was a little mad. I think he had anger problems. Like, I'm still praying for him this day. I hope that he's doing well and everything. But he was mad the third round because I was ahead. I was ahead. He was, like, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to get this guy. So he came, I could tell, like the moment that bell rang, he like charged after me, charged after me, ready just to, to kick my butt. And so he did this roundhouse kick. So any of you guys are familiar with martial arts. When you do a roundhouse kick, like you're really supposed to like flex your foot and like kick their head. And so what he did, he did a roundhouse kick, but his feet were pointed. And I don't know if he didn't cut his toenails or what, but literally he did this roundhouse kick. And his toenails, it was like slow motion. I still remember it to this day. It was like slow motion. His nail cut me in my eyeball. Like literally like this. He was like, woo, I was like, okay, okay. And I'm like dizzy. I couldn't see anything. I was like, what's happening around me? And so he was like, he was giving me low blows, like below the belt, like doing some nasty thing. I was like, okay, what is this dude doing? And so he did that roundhouse kick. And then finally the bell rang. I was like, thank you, Jesus. God loves me. The bell rings. I still won at the end. But this is what, this is what I love about this story. Because usually in martial arts, like, you go up and you shake your opponent's hand, right? And you're supposed to do that. I'm a lovey-dovey person. Like, if there's something going on with you, like, we can just hug it out. We can go to coffee. Like, we could talk about it. Like, I want to look you in the eyeball and say, are you okay? Like, what's happening? And you're like, like, I got you. I got you. It's okay. And so I'm this lovey-dovey person. So after the match, my, my instructor, mind you, he was mad. He was like, this is ridiculous. Like, he should be disqualified, all these different things. And so he was like, just go shake his hand and leave. But I felt compelled in me, I felt a compelling in me to go up to him, and I literally went up to him, and I, I tapped him on his shoulder, and I was like, hey, that was a good match. And I gave him this big hug, and he was like, 
what is happening? Like, he was all angry. Like, he still lost the match. So I was like, that's what you get. Low blows. That's what you get. You still lost. You're, still, you're, trying, to, you're trying to kick me and get toenail, cut me in my eyeball, all kinds of things. That's what you get. But I gave him a hug, and he was like, whoa. Like, his, his, his whole countenance changed. And so from that story, today we're going to talk about conflict. Conflict in marriage. Conflict in relationships. Conflict with employees. Conflict with whatever, whatever um, um, uh, relationship that you face in your life. We're going to talk about conflict. And how this, this message is really practical. So I'm going to share a lot of stories that my wife and I have gone through in the last six years. We've been married for six years. Praise the Lord. We're still going through some things. We're going on 60 years in the name of Jesus. And so it's going to be awesome. But I, I wanted to share that story because in that moment, I was like, man, like I can tell that me going up to him and giving him a soft answer, it literally just like melted his heart. It was like his, his whole disposition was different. So that leads me to my first point. Everybody shout number one. So in conflict, we have to establish rules of engagement. In conflict, we have to establish rules of engagement. Proverbs 13, 16 says this. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. Right, that's pretty harsh. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but if you're a fool in this room, I hope none of us are fools, he acts in stupidity. And so I share this story. My wife and I have been married for six years. And I remember when we first got engaged, okay, we were so happy. Like, everything was like, woo, we're going to do this. We're going to get married. Yeah, baby, yeah, let's go. We're going to get married. I've been waiting. I've been waiting my whole life, you know, something, something, thing, thing. You know what I'm talking about? So, amen. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting. It's 5 p.m. So it's 5 p.m. If you guys want a little bit more reserved uh, service, come to the 10 a.m. Or 10 a.m. in Sandy or 11.30. 5 p.m. It's going to be just all out, all out. So I remember we were getting married, and we were so happy, but we went through marriage counseling. So we went through three months of marriage counseling. I advise it for anybody that's wanting to get married, like intense marriage counseling. So I remember sitting down with our counselors, and they're godly people, and we sat down with them. And I remember going to their office, and they, they kind of chuckled. Like we sat down, and we were like, oh, we're so happy. Yeah, we're going to get married in like a couple months. Like we're going to do this. We sat down, and they like chuckled. They're like, <laughs> I was like, why are you chuckling? We sat down, and they're like, okay, listen. First thing we're going to do is we're going to establish rules. We're going to establish rules of communication. And I was like, I don't need no rules and no communication. And they started going through the rules. And so the first thing that they did, they said, when one person is speaking, the other person is not allowed to speak until they're done. And I was like, <laughs> my wife's not going to be able to do that. I was like, look at her. I was like, you, you can't do that. You're not going to be able to. And I don't know if you've ever been around her family. There's seven kids, okay, seven kids. And, I mean, like, I remember sitting down at dinner one time, and they were just talking all over each other. It was like, Caitlin would say something, then her mom would say something, then her sister would say something, then her brother would say something. And it was just like this. And I'm, like, bouncing back and forth, probably like you're doing right now when I'm moving back and forth to stage. And I'm like, what is happening? And so they would always interject. And I remember talking to my wife. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I have no idea. I got lost in that conversation like 20 minutes ago. And so they bounced these things back and forth, back and forth, all over the place. And so when I went into marriage counseling, they said, we're going to establish the first rule. In communication and healthy conflict. And this is what, it, what it's going to look like. You're not allowed to speak if one person is speaking first. You let them speak. And then after that, I was like, you're not going to be able to do that. After that, they said, they said this. And this is what got me. They're like, you're going to have to repeat everything that your spouse just said. I was like, have you ever heard my wife speak? Like, she speaks in paragraphs. I'm like, why? I can't, I can't do that. She's going to be speaking for 15 minutes. Like, all women speak a lot. Like, I love you guys, but it's like so, so much is happening in one moment. I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. I, how am I supposed to remember that? You're so confusing. I don't know. I'm like, I have to stop her in one moment because I won't remember everything she's saying. And so they're like, no, you need to repeat back 
what she's saying. And they establish rules. They establish rules of engagement. And so I love this quote. It says this, whenever you're in a conflict with someone, there is one factor that can make the difference between damaging your relationship and deepening it. There's one factor, and that, that factor is attitude. It's your attitude. And so I love that. I love that quote because to me, when I was sitting in counseling and I was learning so much communication, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you mean to tell me that how I answer back and how I listen changes the whole atmosphere that I'm in. And so when we're talking about relationships, it's important, and we're almost closing the series, but it's important that we get this. Because in any relationship, you're going to deal with conflict. It's all throughout the Word of God. Jesus dealt with conflict all the time. Old Testament, New Testament, it's in the Word of God. There's conflict after conflict. I mean, Jesus was in the synagogue. He was flipping over tables. Like, how would you feel if I went to your house and I was mad? I just flipped over your table. You'd be like, uh-uh, this is, this is not, not going to be healthy conflict anymore. You'd be mad. But there's conflict everywhere we turn. But it's how we deal with conflict that matters. It's how we establish and the rules that we establish. If you're getting married in this room soon, like you have to establish some rules in conflict. Because the fact of the matter is two people are going to butt heads one way or another. Like you can't walk this earth without conflict. And so my second point is this. Everybody shout number two. How we communicate in conflict will determine the outcome. How you communicate in conflict will determine the outcome. This is one of my favorite scriptures and it's so hard to really like live this one out. But it's in Proverbs, Proverbs 15. Verse 1, it says this, a soft answer turns away wrath. Let me say that again. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. And so when I was in, this, in, in marriage counseling, and then after we got married, I remember we got into a really heated discussion. It was about a year into our marriage. And I had for, forgot, like, everything that happened in marriage counseling. Because when you're in the moment, you don't think about rules. Like, who thinks about rules when you're in a fight with your spouse or when you're in a fight with your friend? Like, nobody thinks about rules. It's like, okay, let's go back to the rules. Let's sit down. Let's figure this out. You know, let's work this thing out together. And I'm like, I didn't think about the rules. I was like, I was just, I was just trying to say my point. And so I remember, like, my wife still says this to, today. Like, she probably said this this week. And this is a phrase that I really dislike, but I believe that it's important for me to hear. She always says, why are you yelling? Why are you yelling? And it's like, I'm just like, I'm passionate. I'm passionate. You guys probably think I'm yelling right now, but this is just passion coming out of me. This is not yelling. This is passion. And she always asks me, she's like, why are you yelling? We get in an argument. Why are you yelling? You're yelling at me. I remember like one time she covered her ears like a little child. I'm like, are you a baby? Like, you're not a baby. Come on. Like, what's happening? And so she would come over and she's like, why are you yelling at me? But I'm like, I'm just passionate. I'm just passionate. But I remember this scripture, and this is something that I'm working on even to this day. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Colossians 4, 6 also says this, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Proverbs 12, 18, if you didn't think that was enough, here's another scripture. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, there is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. So what that shows me that in this moment, even when I'm arguing with my wife, even when I'm in a heated, passionate discussion with my wife, how I answer, or anybody, not even just my wife for that matter, like any friend, any employee that I'm, that's under me, anything, any conversation that I have that's dealing with conflict, 
You mean to tell me that it says in here in Proverbs that how I answer determines if healing is, is brought into that relationship or not? It says it right here. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So a lot of us, we're not watching what we say in relationships. We're tearing down relationships. We're not building them up. And so this, means, this, this tells me that every word that I speak out of my mouth to every relationship that I encounter, it can either bring life or death. That's why it says choose life. Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. And that's why it says to choose what? It says it like, it's like a manual. It's like death and life are in the power of the tongue. And God's like, choose life. Choose life. And yet we're sitting around every single day. We're wondering like, okay, well, why is this relationship not working? Why is my marriage not working? Why is uh, my, my boss so mad at me all the time? Why, why can't I have healthy confrontation? It's because we're not allowing life to be spoken out of our mouths. So every, every, every relationship that you encounter, every person that you turn to, every person that you go to, we have to speak life. Life. And so I love that scripture because to me it's like, man, like when I get into an argument, I have to sit back for a moment. And I really have to allow the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, teach me in this moment. Like, help me to stop. Let me, let me pause for a moment, even though I'm so passionate. Even though I, I, I love my wife so much and I want to get my point across, let me sit back for a moment and say, wow, I have the choice right now in this moment to bring healing into my relationship. What am I going to choose to do? And that's my question to you tonight. What are you going to choose to do? When, when you're out of this room and you get into an argument on the way home, it could be for the dumbest thing. What are you going to choose to do? Are you going to choose to speak life into that relationship? Are you going to choose to speak death into the relationship? Whatever you speak will happen in your life. So we have to choose to speak life. Amen? You guys with me? And so another story that I want to tell, I, I just went on a vacation or a trip uh, about a month ago to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I went there for a wedding, and uh, I had a great time. But I remember I, on my way out, my flight had gotten delayed. And I was super upset about it. So my flight had gotten delayed. I was supposed to be there um, by that night for an event that was happening for the wedding. And so I was like, okay, well, my flight's delayed. And so I get to the airport, and I talk to the flight and I'm like, okay, well, what do we need to do? They're like, well, if you get on this flight, um, still, when it's delayed, you're, you're not going to be able to make your connecting flight. And I was like, okay, well, so what are we going to do? They're like, well, um, we can cancel this reservation, and then we'll get you an another reservation. Um, and they said the next time, the next flight that's actually going out to Tulsa on this airline, this is Monday, mind you. This is Monday. They said the next flight that's going to go out on this airline is Thursday. I said, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of airline is this? Thursday, Monday? Thursday. I'm like, the wedding is on Thursday. I'm supposed to be there in my tux on Thursday. And you mean to tell me the next flight that I can get is on Thursday and today is Monday? Like, what if I didn't live here? Like, you just want me to bum it out in the airport? Like, what's going to happen? They're like, well, you can do this. You can choose to get another flight today on another airline, but it's probably going to be like $600. I'm like, $600. Well, let me just get that real quick. Let me just pull that off a tree. Like, let me, let's see what's going to happen. And so they're like, okay, well, let's work it out. So I was, I'm calling. I'm trying to make things out. I'm trying to see what's the cheapest flight, what I'm going to do. I had to get there. And so I ended up making a different reservation. So that was the first flight attendant that I went to. I went up again, and I said, listen, this is what happened. I need to get refunded the money for this flight that I'm missing. Blah, blah, blah. I got another flight. This, this flight lady, whatever she's called, the desk clerk, whatever, secretary, I don't know what they're called. I get up there, and it's a different lady, and she just had attitude. She was like, I went up there, and she was like, what do you want? I was like, excuse me. 
I'm like, what's happening right now? What? Like, she's like, what, what do you need? What do you need right now? And I was like, well, um, I've tried to figure out this, this flight situation, blah, blah, blah. I need to get reimbursed. And I mean, like, like, she was, like, mad. Like, there was, like, she was trying to start a fight with me. I was about to go to my martial arts days and do karate chopper right over, right over the counter. I was like, what is happening? Like, what are you doing? She was so upset. She had so much conflict. But in that moment, I realized that, man, I don't know what this lady is going through. And so I had a moment to decide whether I was going to make conflict happen with her and be mad. I was going to either speak life or death. I was going to either choose life or death. And so I remember in that moment, I was like, okay. Like, it took me a minute. Like, you know, I know I'm from Salt Lake City, but I got a little hood in me. My grandma's hood. I got a little bit. I got a little bit. A little bit of something, something down there. A little bit. So I, I, I remember I was like, okay, okay, okay. I was like, okay, compose yourself. I was like praying. I was like, Lord Jesus, help me. Like I need to figure out what I'm going to do in this moment. And so I was like, okay, well, can you please try to help me out to the best of your ability? She's like, yeah. So she helped me out. And by the end of it, I said, thank you. And then her whole countenance changed again. Her whole countenance changed. Everything about her changed. I was like, thank you so much. I know that it's probably been a long day for you. She's like, yeah, it's been really rough. We've been having complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint. And so in that moment, I thought about, listen, like, what, what we choose, we can't allow things to come into our hearts. We can't allow. So that lady in that moment, she was frustrated because every single person that she encountered was giving her conflict. And so what, what happened? She probably started off that day really happy. She got her coffee. Everything was fine. The moment she got to work and people started complaining and complaining and it was confronting her every single moment, that conflict came on her. And so the first thing that, that she did to me when I stepped up to the counter was what? She gave me conflict. She chose to take on everything that was happening to her. And so even in every moment, like if somebody has conflict with you, what are you going to choose to do in that conflict? How are you going to choose to respond? Life or death? Life or death? In every situation that we face, what are we going to choose to do? Learning to compromise and knowing what battles are ones that need to be fought. We have to learn to compromise in certain areas. And I, I have to, I'm still figuring this one out in my marriage. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Like, you're wrong in this situation. Like, you're, you're wrong. I know I'm right. But I have to learn that even if I'm not right, I have to learn how to compromise. Or even if I am right, I have to learn how to compromise. Every relationship that you encounter and you deal with conflict, we have to learn how to compromise. With our friends, family, coworkers, spouse, whatever area that you hit, we have to learn to compromise. And last but not least, everybody shout number three. In conflict, communicate love. In conflict, communicate love. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Verse, this is one of my favorite scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. One of my all-time favorite Scriptures. It says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I read that this week from a different point of view. And so I, I started thinking about my wife. I started thinking about all the arguments and started thinking about conflict that I face on a day-to-day -day basis. And I started thinking about how my passion overrides my conversation. And so I remember in the, in, in just thinking about this scripture, I was like, whoa. That's what that means. That means that when I'm speaking to my wife so passionately, what she hears is not passion. 
what she hears is a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal that's in her ears, and she doesn't hear anything else. And I was like, whoa. How I, how I communicate determines everything. It determines the outcome of this relationship. So what am I going to choose, death or life? Am I going to choose to love this relationship? Am I going to choose to pour into this relationship? What am I going to choose to do? And so we as Christians, we have, we have to get a hold of this. Because the fact of the matter is, everybody in the world, everybody that we encounter, they're dealing with conflict to some degree. But we have to choose to step into that conflict, first knowing who we are, and step into that conflict with love. And communicate love through everything that we do, everything that we say. Because love determines the outcome. It's either love or hate. It's either life or death. So I love this scripture. So it's like a, a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It also says this, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So you can have all the faith in the world. You can have all the substance, everything that you need in the world. But if you have not love, you have nothing. And it says this, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And it goes on to say this, one of my favorite scriptures, love is patient and kind. This is something I pray over myself every single day. I'm patient and I'm kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So when somebody treats you wrong, when things are going on in your life, love doesn't rejoice in that. When, you, when your spouse is wrong, love doesn't rejoice in that. It doesn't rejoice. It doesn't sit in that. It doesn't have its place in that. Love doesn't reside there. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Somebody shout all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And it goes on to say this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. So how we communicate in every area, in every sphere, with every relationship. When you leave this church tonight, I want you to have this on your mind and in your heart. What am I communicating? When I go to work tomorrow morning and I'm frustrated, what am I communicating? When I don't get along with my wife, what am I communicating? When I don't get along with my kids, what am I communicating? Am I communicating from a place of love? Am I communicating from this place that I really love and I care for that person? Or I'm just saying, am I a noisy gong? Am I a clanging cymbal? How am I communicating? And I love this. We will never have trust without truth and love. 
You can never build trust without truth and love. Truth happens, and then a result of that, trust is built. When you have truth in a relationship, trust is built. So truth is the anchor on which we stand on to build trust. So are we building trust in our relationships? Are we building trust with our spouse? Are we building trust with our kids? Are we building trust with our friends? Are we building trust with our family? What are we building? What are we doing? Are we on a firm foundation, a solid rock, which is truth? What are we going to build our lives on in every relationship that we encounter? What are you going to build your life on? Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me in this moment as we close?